This is the New Life Rancho Vista podcast. We are a church committed to loving God, growing together, and serving others. Our prayer and desire is that this message from our campus pastor, Peter Moore, will be a help and an encouragement to you, regardless of where you are in your relationship with Jesus. So let's open our hearts and minds as we turn our attention to the incredible truths God has for us today. Uh, I, I really am kind of uh, coming into this, the close of this, um, kind of bittersweet because I believe we really have overcome some things in the series, but not just for overcoming sake. Um, and, I, and I have to tell you, uh, I, I brought this out here because I, I've had a few people tell me recently, you know, you get so intense about these things, you know, can you just calm down? And someone even said, maybe try sitting down and sharing some of these things. And, you know, I, I tried that. It just doesn't work for me. You know what I mean? I, I just, I, 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 I get passionate about this stuff. And if you're brand new and, 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 and I'm telling you the truths that I'm going to share today are so helpful. And they've had such an impact on me. Um, frankly, about six months ago, and I was telling some of our team, I was just kind of being honest. Uh, about six months ago when I started studying the pa- this passage we're going to read today, I didn't understand it. In fact, I emailed our team because I emailed the team several months and weeks out. You know, hey, here's where we're heading. Let's pray. Let's go this direction. Let's pray over the songs we're going to choose and all of that. And, and uh, I've, I've emailed our team, I think, three different titles to this sermon. <laughs> I mean, it was first, you know, ah, I think it's a message about forgiveness. And no, oh, I think it's about prayer. And, and really, I believe this is about growth. And so um, the reason why this is passionate so passionate to me and why I, I, I literally can't sit down and, and just share is, is because I want my, my number one passion and what wakes me up at night is I want to see every single person, including my family and me, but I want to see every person in this room grow. And I, I don't want anyone in this room to stay the same. I'm, I'm thankful for anyone who comes. I'm thankful for all of the different stages of growth. I'm even thankful for uh, some who maybe may come and are skeptics. They're just not sure exactly what they believe. And so everyone is welcome. And, 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 but, but man, I, I don't want this to be just something we come and to check off a box and say, hey, we did that and feel better about ourselves. I really want to grow. I want to take some steps of growth. And that's why we started New Life. And that's why we'll continue to focus on these truths. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 11. There's some notes in your worship guide. Mark chapter 11. And uh, we're going to be talking about overcoming through growth. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that I, I get so burdened and passionate and like, you know, as, as one person said, you know, you're really dramatic. And I, and I get that, okay? Maybe that's partly my personality. Uh, but it's also something that I live with. And, 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 and let me just share something that, that is just me kind of being vulnerable a, a little bit. When I stand up here to, to share these truths, they're not mine. They're, they're God's. And, and I truly believe that every time I stand up here, this could be my last. Now, I hope it isn't, okay? So don't get me wrong. But I, I truly believe it could be. And, and, and I will tell you something that I, I just feel is such a calm peace. That if this is my last, it, and I'm not, I'm not planning on going anywhere or doing anything, you know what I mean? But, but, but no one's guaranteed another day. How many of you know that? You understand that? I think we all get that. And I was certainly reminded of that this week. But, but listen, that this is the message. This is something, and I, 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 told, I told Camden, I said, you know, because he's 10 and he's, he can understand the truth. I said, you're going to listen to this one, man. I don't care. I'll, I don't care what happens, okay? We're going to listen to it together. Not because it's me, it's because I truly believe that every Christian should study what Jesus said. By the way, this is one of the last miracles that Jesus did before he hung on the cross. And so, uh, really a significant passage of Scripture. Um, and we're just going to kind of go verse by verse. If you're brand new, uh, we, we go right through the text and just kind of break it down uh, the way that I, I believe is true to the text uh, so that we can understand the context and, and, and kind of have a greater understanding. All right? And so Mark chapter 11, and uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number 12. Verse number 12. And it says, And on the morrow... When they were come from Bethany. So the disciples were coming from Bethany where they had stayed at Lazarus' house. Uh, most likely 
And, uh, and, and, and actually, it's kind of neat. Bethany is, is still kind of preserved. It almost looks like an ancient city still. And uh, this is an old kind of blurred photo. Uh, but, but this was in 1941. And, and it still had some first century architecture in 1941. I don't know if there's any first century architecture still standing now. Uh, but let me show you a map of where they were going. Uh, where they're heading, and I apologize for the for the um, the, the quality of, of these, and that's my fault. But Bethany is up here, if you can see that. This is the Temple Mount, okay, and 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 he would have had to kind of curve around the Mount of Olives, and uh, and come into uh, Jerusalem. All right, and so uh, this is what he's saying in, in Mark chapter twelve and verse number twelve, uh, in verse number eleven. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number twelve. I'm, I'm in the wrong chapter, verse number 11, chapter 11, verse number 12, here, here we go, that Jesus was coming into Bethany, or, or coming from Bethany, and he was hungry. Now, I don't know if Jesus just didn't eat breakfast that morning, maybe that's you today, okay, there's no shame in getting a donut or whatever, but uh, I don't know what was going on in, in the morning where he wouldn't have eaten breakfast or where he would have been hungry. It was probably early in the morning. In fact, many times they would leave before it was yet day. And so the disciples, you know, got an early wake-up call, okay? They, they were up early in the morning. Jesus had a place to go. By the way, he was going to the temple. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so here he is coming out of Bethany, in around the Mount of Olives, probably very close to the Mount of Olives, when he sees something that we're going to talk about today. And, and let's just keep reading. He was hungry. By the way, some, some scholars tried to teach that he was hangry. He, Jesus wasn't hangry, okay? We get hangry. He was hungry, okay? So he wasn't like upset when he did what he's about to do, okay? And seeing a fig tree far off, uh, having leaves, he came, and happily, if it might, find a thing thereupon. Okay, so he's looking for something on it. He saw the leaves, so he thought there would be something on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. So he's seeing this tree, thinking there's going to be fruit, and there's only leaves. I want to tell you a little bit about Jesus, because Jesus was all points God and all points man at the same time. Meaning, he could be physically hungry as a man, and he could be spiritually discerning completely as God at the same time. So, now, if you're like, I just can't understand that. I've had people say, I just can't get my mind around that. I don't understand how that works. And, and let me just tell you, you cannot understand as a finite being an infinite being. You just can't. And I'm so thankful that his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. And how many of you are glad you have a God that's bigger than your understanding? Okay, so that's good. And, and I often tell uh, people that when they say, you know, well, why would a good God do this or that? And, you know, I'm like, well, why would a good God do anything? We actually don't know. We can't understand that, but we will. And what we do understand is what he says about himself. And so here he comes. He's hungry, but he's wanting his physical hunger to teach his disciples a spiritual lesson. And if you're in the front row, okay, sometimes it'll boom, you know, spitting, spitting at people. So I'm going to try not to do that today. It's going to get personal, but it's not going to get that personal, okay? Uh, <laughs> so, here he is, trying to get this lesson across, okay? And, 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 if, and, and it, my boys, you know, they, 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 they get me, okay? So, if I want to get a lesson across, we're going to pause whatever needs to be paused, because I, I want you to get it, right? So, I'm like, are you getting it? So, Jesus is, is saying, I'm hungry, you're hearing the rumbles of, of, of my tongue, but I'm hearing the rumbles of your tongue. We're all hungry. He said, something more than hunger, I want, you to, I want you to learn this lesson. Because they would have felt the same way he would have felt when they would have walked up to that tree and said, no fruit? Really? That would have been a great breakfast, and there's no fruit. That's a bummer. And Jesus turned the pit into a peak. He turned the disappointment into development. He turned what was a grief to them into something that they could grow through. 
Let me tell all of you this, and, and, and in love, that many times we will hit a season, and we will hit a disappointment in life, not because God doesn't care, but, be, but precisely because he does. And he is wanting to teach you something. Now listen, bless you, whoever that was. But he wants you to get this more than he wants you to be happy. Now that's not popular. Because people, popular, popular preachers, okay, which I am not one, okay, but popular preachers, okay, preachers who people don't, you know, get up and walk out and say I'm never coming back, okay. Now, luckily, we don't have too many of that, but, but popular preachers say just be happy and, you know, let's just talk about rainbows and butterflies and unicorns, right? I mean, it's like, you know, you know just Love Jesus, Jesus loves you, love yourself, and all this. And, and I'm all about Jesus wanting you to be happy, but he wants you to be healthy before you're happy. And, and so sometimes he'll leave you a little hungry so that you'll be wanting a little bit more. And he, ha- he always does the physical hunger to sp- teach you a spiritual lesson. And so if you're here a little hungry, physically or spiritually, okay, let's learn from that. There's three enemies to our growth that I really want you to get today. And, uh, and I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this as concisely as I possibly can. But there are three ways to overcome these three enemies. Now let me just say something. I, I can't always say this in a lesson. But these are the three, main, my, the three main areas to my growth. So I want to take the pressure off of all of you here. And I want to just tell you that these three issues are issues I struggle with. Now, if I wanted to turn the pressure back on, I could say that every person in here struggles with these three things as well. That there is nothing that we need to overcome more in order to grow than these three things. And so I just truly believe that this is a cornerstone passage for overcoming. I knew that going into it, but I didn't understand this. And I think you will see three parts to this story that will show you these three enemies. And then Jesus gives you the way. How many, how many of you are so thankful that Jesus doesn't leave us with the problems, with the enemies? He gives us a way to overcome. And so we're thankful for that. And I want to show you the first one. And that is that obedience overcomes excuses. Say, where is that in this passage of Scripture? I want to show this to you because I read this passage of Scripture maybe 10 or 12 times and I missed it. But I want you to see this because I believe this is what Jesus was getting at when he comes and he sees leaves and he finds nothing. Let's keep reading. Verse number 13. So he sees this and there's no, we've already read half this verse that he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. Now, I'm going to throw a, a, an audible for the, for the guys that call an audible, but guys, show the, show the, the, the leaves. That we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute, but show the fig leaves. Okay, so these are big fig leaves. The, these would be the leaves that were used. These were the same kind of leaves that were used when Adam and Eve covered themselves because they now felt ashamed. Now, now they were covering themselves because they felt naked. They felt, they felt uh, ashamed. They felt like they had done something wrong and they felt guilt because of it for the first time. Why? Because now they were defining good and evil on their own terms. So now they felt the the pressure that we all feel now because of sin. But these leaves were present, and the way fig trees work is the, the little bitty fruit comes first, and once the fruit buds, then the leaves grow. And so there would have been little fruit. You say, well, the season wasn't for fruit yet. Well, let me tell you, there's two pictures. So guys, get ready for these pictures. First, you have the unripe fruit. So when the scripture says that it wasn't time yet for that, it would be these unripe fruit. And again, I, I apologize for the, for the um, quality of these because you can actually see that, that there, there's, there's more budding out. But this is not what they were talking about. This was known as poor man's fruit. Okay, the rich man's fruit came later, came later on in the fall. Okay, early fall, and it and it kind of uh, looked like 
uh, look, it looks like this. You can't really see it from here. And um, uh, because of our, our, our technical difficulty, we're, we're not able to show you. But there's little, little tiny seeds in here. And you can kind of see that it's actually a delicious fruit. Figs are very good. By the way, they're very good for you as well. And so this is the, the fruit that they were wanting later, but they were willing just to kind of settle for the unripe fruit just to give them some energy throughout the day. So it wasn't time for the, for the figs as, as meaning they weren't ripe, but, but there were supposed to be some figs there because there were leaves there. Now, when it says that they found nothing, okay, I think some scholars really read into that. Now, let me define nothing for you here, okay, in the Greek, by the way. All right, whatever this Greek word is, it just means nothing, <laughs> okay? So sometimes we overcomplicate things, but sometimes we, we miss things too. And by the way, I miss something because the word leaves, fig leaves in particular, it means this. It's the, the suke or, and, and the, the phylon together, and it represents the nation. So a fig tree represents the nations, but more importantly, fig leaves represents excuses, so he was trying to get them to understand something that was about to happen. He said, listen, all I'm seeing on this tree, there's no fruit, which is a picture of obedience. All there is is leaves, which is a picture of covering the lack of obedience. And so leaves are a picture, fig leaves in general, are a picture of our excuses. And so we all have excuses, and one of the things that I think is interesting about Matthew's account of this is he, he, he actually ends the statement with, he found nothing but leaves only. So Matthew puts an exclamation point on the fact that he only found leaves. And, and, and so here's the key thought, is that when, when we have these excuses that Jesus was trying to point out before they go into the temple, and there's a reason he was going to point out excuses, but, but when we have these excuses, excuses are what we say when we don't want to obey. So, so we can either have fruit or we can have excuses. We can either have growth or we can have excuses. And excuses are what we go to when the pathway of obedience seems too difficult for us. That is why the Christian life is so important to be step by step by step what step does God want you to take? By all means, take it. Because the other alternative is to go in the way of our feelings, is to go in the way of our excuses, and excuses will take you nowhere except backward. Steps take you forward toward obedience, growth, and fruit or results. Now, let me give you an illustration. And I'm not sure you're going to be able to make this out. But this uh, picture is a picture of, oh, see, this one's great. This, one's, this, this one has a little bit uh, better quality. So this lane wasn't here when I grew up, but this is Cedar Rapids, Iowa, okay? I, I screenshotted this yesterday from, from uh, Google Maps. This is an intersection uh, right on Collins Road uh, where, I, where I got my first job uh, working at a, at a Marriott hotel, um, and uh, it was... It was my graduation night, and I was coming down this, this two, it was a two-lane road at the time, but this was a gravel shoulder back then. And, uh, and so I was, I was coming down uh, the road, and I had just graduated from high school. And I stopped at a stoplight about three stoplights before this one. And when I pulled up to the stoplight, some of you have heard the story, I looked over, and my principal's wife, okay, was in her minivan with uh, some girls from our school, and she thought it would be hilarious to rev her engine like she was going to race me. Now, my first car was a Ford SHO junker. I mean, I bought it for $200 from a junkyard. I mean, in order to leave anywhere, I had to go to my trunk and get a bottle of water and fill up the radiator just so it wouldn't overheat going anywhere. Okay, so that's the type of car it was. It was so rusty, it looked like a brown car. It actually originally was black. So it looked brown, but it was black. That's how rusted it was. I loved this car, okay? Because I didn't care how it looked. I didn't care having to put, you know, 
antifreeze or, or, or water in it each time. It was fast, okay? And it had really cool gadgets when you got in it. That's all I cared about, okay? And so I'm like, she's in, a, she's in a family car, which I now have a family car, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, right. And so I took off thinking she was just like bluffing, like joking, and she stayed up with me in her little caravan. And I'm going, okay, now I got, some, I got something to lose. Like, I mean, come on, you can't get beat to the bowling alley, you know, for our graduation get-together uh, by your principal's wife with girls from your school in the car. That's not going to happen. And so I just started, I floored it, and we came to uh, this stoplight, and she had to stop right here, and I would have had to stop next to her, but I thought, I can beat them. I'll just go on the shoulder. So I went on the shoulder, and I went over here, and I took the fast lane. How many of you love it when you're waiting in three hours of traffic, and someone just cut, takes a shortcut? You know what I mean? And, 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 and here's the point that I love, because I've actually witnessed this several times, um, where, where they, you know, they're going off on the shoulder because they're late or whatever. They have you know, some emergency. And then you just see the, uh, the, the, the motorcycle you know, go, go right after the lights blaring. And there's something inside of you just like, you know what? It serves you right, okay? Um, but, but that was me I'm the guy on the shoulder everything was good and I was just going to turn right this is actually the bowling alley right there I think it's a skating rink now or whatever but um but I was so close and I thought I'll just make a turn here and right as I got down to the end some guy decides you know what actually I'm going to turn and so he turns and I'm on that gravel shoulder and and there was nothing I could do but hit him and man I t-boned that guy and he went up on his side, and he was about to come down, and, 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 and he didn't. So here he is. He's just like on the side, like buckled in. And there's this guy in this really like funny-looking suit with this short, really fat tie. To this day, I'll never know why he was dressed like that. But he's just, you know, so I'm like, man, I just killed some guy, you know. So I'm getting out, I'm getting the, and, and, and I'm talking to him, like, are you okay? Are you alive? You know, like, and he's like, yes, please help me get out, you know. And so I walk up, I'm getting him out. He gets out of the car, and um, I don't know why we pushed the car back over. I mean, it was still, the damage was done. And I remember the police got there, and we were telling him what happened. And obviously it was my fault. I wasn't debating that. But I was trying to tell the police officer that when the guy turned, he didn't use his blinker. So here I am, my 18-year-old self, trying to say, yeah, but um, weird suit dude over there, I mean, he just like, boom, turned, no signal. And I'll never forget this cop. He just looked at me and he said, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah. He's like, were you on the road? I said, well, I mean, technically, he's like, no, no, no. We're, we're like, were you in a lane where you were supposed to be? No, he's like, then stop making excuses before I write you a ticket. I'm like, whoa, 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 no tickets needed, you know? Like, okay, it's no problem. Okay, yeah, he didn't write a, you know, no problem. You know, I don't know what I was wanting, but I was wanting an excuse more than I was willing to face reality. Reality was I had gotten in a lane that was only meant for emergencies, that was not meant for, for traveling at the speed that I was traveling at. And when we're honest with ourselves, we can avoid the danger that's going to come in our lives. But when we're just sitting there making excuses like it's everyone else's fault, like it's the pastor's fault I'm not growing, and it's your fault that I feel angry, and it's the government's fault that I'm not where I need to be, and it's this person's and that person's. And all I want to say today is that Jesus is, is you're going to see, starting to point out that there's some things you need to take responsibility for and one of those things is your obedience to Christ. And so Jesus was pointing out as the creator of the universe that he had made this fig tree to produce fruit. And it had leaves as if there was fruit, but there was no fruit. And do you know why many people don't come to church? Because they see leaves of excuses without fruit of obedience. 
And we cannot pretend like we are growing something in our lives if on the inside we are just excusing away every point of disobedience we have every single day of our lives. And so we have to focus on what God wants us to do. Not focus on what we can't do. Not focus on, not worry about what might happen. But excuses are, are always easier than taking the next step. But Jesus is trying to get his disciples to see, and you'll see this through the narrative, that only steps can move you uh, in the direction that God wants you to go. And I want everyone in here to grow, but I want you to understand that when Adam and Eve hid, God said, where are you? And it wasn't because he couldn't find them. He wanted them to know that he was watching their disobedience and wanted to love them back into the right path. And so obedience under, overcomes excuses. So excuses, that's the first enemy. That's, if, if the devil can get you making excuses, you won't grow. But then, there's, a, there's, there's even a greater, massive enemy that's been growing. And, and, and it, and it kind of saddens me that the church just doesn't want to talk about it. And I think a lot of times the church doesn't want to talk about it because sometimes the church is guilty of it. And let me tell you what it is. Dependence overcomes greed. Dependence overcomes greed. Now you say, well, I'm no problem here. I have nothing to be greedy about. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm broke, right? Okay, how can I be greedy? Let me just say something that no one can diagnose their own greed problem. No one, no, no one including myself, can see when I'm being greedy. You can't see when you're being greedy. It's the one sin, one of the few sins that you can't see in yourself. So let me just kind of put on the microscope and understand exactly why Jesus was saying that sometimes we excuse away our problems, including greed. Let's look at verse number 15. Verse number 15, because it says that after they left that awkward incident where Jesus was like, almost seemed perturbed that there was not fruit on the tree. There were leaves, so it looked like there'd be fruit, and he climbed the hill, but there was no fruit. So they came to Jerusalem, Jesus went into the temple. By the way, um, Matthew, in your notes, I put it in there, it says the temple of God. Note that, because that's going to be important in a minute. Uh, Matthew 21, 12 through 13. He goes into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. We'll talk about how he did that in a minute. And he threw the tables of money changers and seats uh, of them that sold doves. What's wrong with selling doves? We'll talk about what they were doing in a minute. And would not suffer any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying to them, it is, is it not written? So now he's going to quote scripture. Now he's going to bring truth to expose their greed. Is it not written? My house shall be called of all the nations. Oh, wait a second. Fig tree? All the nations. Fig tree represents all the nations. That's interesting. So, so now we're getting some parallels. Now we understand that, that, that the, the lack of breakfast wasn't an accident. Now we get that God was doing something bigger here. It wasn't just that there was leaves without fruit. He was going to teach the disciples that his house was a house of prayer. There's nothing I want more than this house to be a house of prayer. But the enemy of true dependence is always greed. Let me tell you why. Okay, Let's, let's define house of prayer. When it says house of prayer, it's a lo location of earnest request, a place of prayer and worship. In short, this place is supposed to be not about you and not about me and not about us. It's supposed to be about him. And so a lot of times what happens is churches become so enthralled with us and so enthralled with you or me that we lose the picture that there are people who need us and we can't do it without depending on God and depending on His resources flowing through us in order to make a difference. So it's not about us. It's about Him flowing through us. It's about others outside the walls of this place. 
But greed gets so self-centered. Greed is grabbing from the hand of God what He may want you to have, but where He knows you're not ready for it. And so the people in the temple got greedy. And they got a little defensive about it, by the way. So defensive that later on in the passage, uh, we we won't read this, but at the very end, they literally get together and say, how are we going to kill this guy? He's really cramping our style. I mean, we just, we just can't, we can't go on. The Son of God was in their place of worship, and they chose to worship money over him. That's called greed. So let me, let me, let me, let me encourage some of us that instead of making excuses when you feel convicted about greed, why not just be open and honest enough to say, yeah, I have that issue. Like, for instance, last week when I started talking about cats, there were several defensive people in the room. And, and listen, I just want all of you cat lovers to know, I don't love you any less because you like cats, but I don't love cats anymore because you like them either. In fact, since we're talking about greed, okay, I'm, I, I, someone sent me a, a video of, a, of an extremely greedy cat. This is it. I'll trade you two chocolates for, oh, that. Give me that. I'll give you this one. Okay, fine. Deal. The brown one. Okay. Yeah. Here you go, Mike. Happy Halloween. Now that's the picture of greed right there. Okay? Now let me just say something. We laugh, and it is pretty funny. But what we try to do is we try to act like the gifts that God has given us aren't enough. We try to act like everything God has poured into our lives it, 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 it would be enough if we just had that car or we just had that promotion or we just had that whatever. And so greed starts to come into our lives because we don't believe the song we just sang earlier that Christ is enough. And, and so it's hard for me because I love all of you. But when I start talking about greed, it's like, well, okay, get back to the text. We're in the text. And he's, and he's throwing people out. Why? Because they, they got their focus on something other than prayer, something other than worship. Do you guys see that? And so I know it's kind of uncomfortable because it's like really, like let's go back to the cats, right? No, what the point of it is that we all try to act like, oh no, we just need a little more and like I'm the one, You're like poor me. And God's like, whoa, 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 hold up. Have I not given you so much to be thankful for? And we're going to pause in a moment and be thankful, but let me just say something. That when we start to believe that God has been stingy with us, we're starting to be stingy with others. And that's the problem, is we get so self-absorbed with everything. I'm not just talking about money. We get greedy with our time. We get greedy with our influence. We get greedy with everything that God gives us. We hold on to tightly because we feel like if we don't hold on to it, we're going to lose it. And Jesus said, if you don't invest it, you'll lose it anyway. And so we have to come to this passage and realize that every good gift, on the inside of my ring, our, our, our verse, Danielle and I, uh, on the inside of our rings is James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes, comes from above. Jesus gives us every good gift. We cannot be looking for something better when he's given us the best. So we have to come to this passage realizing that the breath of dependence is prayer. And if we're truly depending on Him and truly thankful for Him and truly worshiping Him, then we'll grow. But there is no growth without dependence. You cannot act like you can grow in your relationship with God and grow in your relationship with others and really take steps. And I want all of you to take growth steps. We can't act like we can take growth steps and never pray. We can't act like we'll take growth steps and never depend on him. You say, well, how do I depend on him? Well, try doing something that only can be done through him. Try giving a gift that only he can make work. 
Try going outside of your comfort zone and doing something, not because it's something that will, you know, get something, that you'll receive something in return, but just something that you can do. And by the way, that's one of the great things about having, uh, you know, a homeless outreach this Saturday and, and, and delivering these baskets and all of that. But it's also good for regular generosity and serving and all of those things. Why do we do all those things? Not just because they're commanded, it's because that is the only pathway from greed to growth. So we have to come back to Jeremiah uh, 33 and verse number 2. Everyone wants to quote verse number 3. But Jeremiah 33, 2 says that I am the maker, the Lord says. I'm the maker. I'm the one that formed it. I established it. The Lord is my name, meaning I'm the one in charge here. Have we forgot that he's the creator and he's in charge? Have we forgot that? That's what he's trying to say. By the way, I'm saying this to myself as well. And he's like, if you remember that I'm enough, if you remember that I love you, if you'll trust me, if you'll depend on me, then you'll call into me and I'll answer thee. And by the way, if you'll depend on me, guess what? You won't need greed. You won't need to hold on with a stingy hand. No, I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You know why we don't see great and mighty? Because we think the little piddly amount that we have is great and mighty. And we think if we get a little bit more, it'll be great and mighty. And God says, really? I'm the maker of everything you have. Just invest it into eternity. Life is too short to be greedy, to hold on to things. And so he's demonstrating this through the life of a fig tree. I want to bring out a fig tree, okay? Because it wouldn't be Sunday if, I, if we didn't show you this, okay? How, do, how, does, how does a fig tree work, okay? Well, I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on this, but I happen, I happen to know that figs don't just grow on trees because they want to. There's a process. And, and the fig tree is very unique in the sense that it, some of you know where this is going. These pieces of fruit, which, which are, are the fruit that Jesus was actually looking for. He was looking for this unripened fruit that would come uh, around Passover time in April. Okay, so it wasn't, wasn't brown and sweet and delicious, but it was, it was still rich in nutrients. But the way these come is before the leaves or anything, when it's, when it's just kind of starting to, uh, starting to kind of get a little bit warmer outside, this little guy, okay, a, a, a little, it's called a fig wasp, goes and implants and starts to kind of make these holes all up and down the, the trunk and, and the old leaves and all that. When that's kind of passed, it starts to kind of put these, uh, the, really kind of make these incisions there. I think there's another picture where it's, it's starting to kind of use this wasp to pollinate. But it's ultimately what happens is the wasp dies as it's trying to implant eggs into the plant. It dies. And everywhere these little fig wasps die, this fruit comes out. And so there cannot be fruit on a fig tree without the death of the fig wasp. Now, remember when, when it says in Matthew that Jesus came into the temple of God right after the fig tree. And what he was trying to teach them is we are entering the physical, literal temple but when I die, there's going to be, have to be multiple little deaths in your life in order for you to grow fruit of obedience and dependence. You see, nothing good can grow in your life until the greed and the pride in your life starts to die. And once those things starts to die, then things can come alive. People say, well, I don't want that death. I, don't, I think that's gross. I mean, I wouldn't eat this fig. Something's dead in there. You know that everything we eat, something first had to die? You say, no, I'm vegan. Yeah, those plants had to die. <laughs> everything you eat was alive, and now it's dead. You're like, I eat Twinkies. Okay, it's still dead. <laughs> Either way, the, there's a process that God's trying to teach us, and that is death brings life. And he's trying to teach us that when we die to what we want in order to, 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 to surrender ourselves and depend on what he has for us, we start to grow fruit. 
But you can't try to keep the wasp of greed and pride alive and still have fruit to show for it. It has to die because that is what brings the fruit of growth in our life. And so this is what greed is. Greed is when we're emptying ourselves of ourselves in order for God to fill us because God cannot fill someone who's full of themselves. He can't. So here's the takeaway. The takeaway is this, that greed demands what is wanted to the neglect what is needed. I want these, I want these little gnats to get away. I want these little wasps to get away. God's like, there's a process here. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it looks a little gross, but there's a process for growing fruit. And it might seem a little weird. It might seem a little strange to you, but there's a, a process to our spiritual growth. And it is the death of being crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, we live. Not, yet not I, but Christ living in us. And so Jesus recognized that there was, there was someone blocking the, the humility. There was someone blocking the worship. Someone was doing something that was interrupting the natural process of growth. And do you know what he did? Br- bring in that, those, uh, that, that cage right there. there. There's nothing living in it, okay? I don't want you to be, I was going to do live, live uh, animals, but I thought, you know what, that's not, that's not cool. So, so, so let's say, let's say you, were, you were some people who would eat the, the figs like this, okay? Poor man's fruit. Let's say you didn't have a lot. And all you could find were two little turtle doves. And so let's say you went into the temple during this time, put yourself in, in the passage, and, and you're coming in the temple and you're like, Man, I hope they, I hope they accept this because I don't have any money to go buy their stuff. By the way, how many of you know you get inside like stadiums and stuff? It's like five times more expensive. You know, a hamburger is like four hundred dollars, and you're like, well, how can you do that? Well, because they, you have to. You're either going to pay it or starve. And that's what they were doing in the temple. Is, is is you could you could buy turtle doves for nothing. Basically, you go find them. But when you're in the temple. All right, and they reject your sacrifice. Well, now you have to. Now you have to buy it. See what they were doing? Dodger Stadium all over again. Okay? <laughs> so only this was, this was a place of worship. And so they'd come in, you know, all like timid. Here's my sacrifice. And these losers, the religious political leaders, would be like, Yeah, that one's toenails are a little long. Literally, they would make up stuff. This is is historically documented. They would sit there and be like, we don't, those those aren't uh, acceptable sacrifice to God. Well, they were just making stuff up. By the way, that's why I get so amped when I hear about churches telling you to love yourself. They're literally making that up. That's not what the Bible says. Like, come on, it's love Jesus. Okay? Now I get, you know, I, I get the whole, you know, self-worth and all of that, and I've been to school for all of that. I get, but my point is, when you start hearing someone teaching something that's different, they're, or they're, they're just getting up and, and doing these self-help talks, how about the Bible? And I say to the religious leaders, what about the Bible? What does the Bible say? If they're turtle doves, accept them. If they're alive, okay? So, I mean, there are some stipulations, but they were going way past. Why? They wanted to make a little money. They, they, they weren't thinking about their worship. They were thinking about their worth. So you know what Jesus did? He walked in there and he said, get out. Now, now I'm being really nice, but he wasn't. In fact, John tells us, and I want you to see it in your notes, John, John chapter 2 tells us exactly how he did it with, with great detail. I mean, he went in the temple where they were selling these oxen. By the way, oxen, sheep, I mean, they, were, they would really, really be sticklers on that as well. And, and they're sitting there. So these money changers are sitting there. You know, they're, they're just padding their pockets with all this money. And he takes out this whip. I mean, small cords, but I mean, it's whip. He starts whipping these guys. He drove them out of the temple, and he, he takes the money, and he just throws it on the ground. By the way, I believe that that's not just symbolic and prophetic, but I believe it was empathetic because the moment he threw that money on the ground, you better believe it, it'd be like a money truck on the 405 blowing money all over the place, okay? People running, grabbing it, right? And so what Jesus was saying, 
give that back to them. You're, you're, you're stealing. You're, you're greedy. And he goes in there and he overturns that. And he says, this is not how it was supposed to happen. You're not supposed to be focused on yourself. You're supposed to be dying to yourself in order to help others to grow. And so our dependence is the only way to overcome our greed. And our obedience is our only way to overcome our, our excuses. But there's a third enemy, and I want to show you this and we're done. And the third enemy is this. It is the enemy that all of us face, and it's disbelief. Now, when I, and you say, well, I believe. Yeah, today you do in church. But, but tomorrow, when the doubts start coming in, is God really good? Has God forsaken you? Is all this stuff real? Do you believe? And let me tell you, the sooner that you can confront your doubts and start doubting your doubts and understand how you come to believe, you don't come to believe outside your doubts. You don't come to believe outside your fears. You don't come to believe outside of difficulty. You come to believe through doubts, through fear, through difficulty. And so we have to understand that our confidence overcomes our disbelief. You say, how does that work? Well, let's just look at the passage, verse number 20. He, so, so they go back. They're sleeping at Lazarus' house, most likely. And they come out, and, 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 and then they're passing this fig tree. By the way, guys, go back, because we missed something that Jesus said. So, so go back to the, the, I think it's verse uh, 16 or, or 17, something like that. Um, and uh, no, no, no. Oh, sorry. I, I forgot to read this. They found no live, and, and Jesus answered and said, no man uh, eat uh, fruit of thee. So he's speaking to the tree now. Hereafter forever. He curses the tree and his disciples heard it. So Mark slash Peter is telling Mark to write this down. He's saying, Jesus cursed this fig tree and, and he wants you to get this because this is what's going to happen in verse number 20. Now let's fast forward to verse number 20. We've already kind of seen what happened in the temple. And they passed by and saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember and saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree. I love this because this is Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, kind of being kind to himself. Look at what Matthew says. Matthew says about this, he says that when Peter saw it, they all marveled. They, were, they marveled in verse number 20 of Matthew 21. How soon is the fig tree withered away? When Jesus cursed that, it actually died. You know what God just smote me with this week? And it is this. We are so surprised when we see answer to prayer. And we are so surprised when we see God do the miraculous that it grieves God because it shows our lack of faith. We get so amped, and I'm glad, and I'm happy. And we've seen some great answer to prayers, and we've seen God do some great things. But the miraculous should be the normal in the kingdom of God. We should be like, wow, God did it again. That's great. But we should expect it. And this is what Jesus is going to say. Let's keep reading. And, and it says that um, in verse number, uh, that, that it withered away. And, and Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. He's saying, listen, come on, guys, have some faith. I, I cursed it. Of course it's going to die. And then he said, Verily I say unto you, whatsoever uh, uh, you come into this mountain, be removed. He said, Whoever say it unto the mountain, be removed, and you shall cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. So he's like, if you really believe something, man, you can move mountains. He's talking proverbial here. Here he's, he's, he's talking in, in, in terms of kind of like, uh, you know, uh, going through the eye of a needle and, and, and a camel going through the eye of the needle, kind of the same uh, type of language there. And he said, if you don't doubt in your heart, but believe these things shall come to pass. And ye shall know whatever ye saith. I say unto you, whatso things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that ye shall receive them, and ye shall have them. And then, and then Peter says something that no other book records. Not John, not Luke, not Matthew. And he says, and by the way, if you forgive, verse number 25, verse 26, God forgives. But if you hold on, God's going to wait for you to release it. Why does this, what's this have to do with confidence? And I'll tell you. Bring up the withered fig tree. I'll, this, is, this is the last thing and then I'll be done. 
many scholars believe, before we get to the takeaway, many scholars believe, you can take this one, that when Jesus cursed this tree, it was way more than prophetic, that it was practical. You see, when you pass by the Mount of Olives, on your way to Jerusalem, you actually could see from that spot, and I've stood on that spot, you can see the Temple Mount, but right to the right of the Temple Mount is the Sheep Gate where he would have been led out to die. It's interesting about fig wood. This is pinion wood, but very close to fig wood. The interesting thing about fig wood is on the altar or the altars in the temple, you could not burn olive wood, which was the predominant wood of that day. You could only, on the pyre, you could only burn something like fig wood. In fact, nine times out of ten, the priest in the temple would burn fig wood on the altar. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, I truly believe, and, and again, some, some scholars have, have said this, others have said we're not quite sure, and so I would say I'm not quite sure, but I truly believe that when Jesus cursed this fig tree, it was either symbolic or it was literally the exact piece of wood that they used, not just using this wood in a way that, that they would just you know chop it up and burn it on the altar. I literally believe that this tree was the tree that he was hung on. I believe that the tree that he cursed became the, tr- became the curse that he took for you and for me. And so there is no doubt in my mind that when Jesus was saying this curse, it wasn't just an act of, of wanting to do something because it was just a chain reaction, something he felt. I believe that he was going and looking toward the cross and he was saying, by the way, I'm gonna take your curse on me. The lack of growth, the lack of fruit, that's a result of sin. That's a result of our greed, our excuses, our disbelief. But Jesus came and he took the curse on us so that we then could be released and reverse the curse. You know why we don't have confidence to grow? Because ultimately we don't have confidence in the power of the cross. And I believe that as Christians, it is, it is so important. And if you don't know, don't know Christ, let me just tell you, the cross is not just a symbol, okay? It has power. But as Christians, we need to pick up the cross of Christ and say he's not on there he died, he rose again, and we have the power to overcome. Why? Because he overcame. He overcame what was cursed so that we could reverse the curse. And so here's the takeaway. And that is, growth comes from placing our complete confidence in God's ability to overcome anything. Solomon said, in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. The children shall have a place of refuge. You want to know the place of refuge from your worry? You want to know the place of refuge from from your doubts, from your fears, from your disbelief, from your excuses, from your greed? It's at the foot of the cross. Jesus is enough. And if we get that, we can overcome. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church. Or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle 5 New Life. Have an amazing day.